Welcome back to Mortgage Genomics Canada. I'm your host, Marco Gello. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in British Columbia and Alberta, born and raised in Calgary, currently living in North Vancouver. If you're from either of these provinces and require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593, 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access. To Canada's top lenders. All right, welcome back, everyone. Today's headliner topic: I'm going to talk about what is a subprime mortgage, and do they still exist in Canada? But before we get to that, here's what's on my mind this week. We haven't talked about Canada's population stats and um, demographics for quite a long time. So here is some good intel I found. Um, got this straight from Stats Canada. And uh, it was updated a few weeks ago. The, uh, the main and obvious summary of the report is that international immigration has uh, it's grinded to a halt for much of 2021 and 2020. Understandably so, which, uh, you know, kind of as well should really freak people out even more when it comes to real estate. Uh, like, you, you got to think that we're in for another spike in the near future once uh, that steady immigration flow resumes again, um, which is pretty much starting right now. So as of July 2021, Canada's overall population increased by 209,000 people to approximately a total population of about 38.2 million people. So that's 38.2 million people crammed into what seems like just a sliver of our 10 million square kilometer area, the, the entire country of Canada. Now, think about that for a minute. Like, this is insane. 38 million people in a country, Canada, that is 10 million square kilometers. So that's huge. This equates to a population density of about four. So for every single square kilometer, that averages to about four people in that space, right? So, you know, four people per square kilometer, you cannot see your neighbor beside you. That's like a bit, that, that's quite a, a, a distance. But, well, maybe you can see the neighbor, but you, I don't think they would even be within shouting distance. But really, that's not the case at all. Everyone knows that uh, most of our population occupies only a small portion of our entire humongous land surface area. Like everyone knows how big Canada is, particularly across the most southern regions of our border along the 49th parallel. Okay, so everyone knows most of our major cities are as close as possible to the 49th parallel. So when you think about it more, when you calculate the area of land that houses over a third of our population, and I've included all of Canada's major cities in this calculation, so that's about 15 million people, okay? Of the 10 million square kilometers of land that we call Canada, we cram 15 million people in just a 14,000 square kilometer area. So that's a 0.14% that's utilization of our land area. So that, that means we're not using 99.6% 
of the remainder of our land. Well, we are, but there's people scattered all over the place. And now, when you calculate population density, we're not four people for every square kilometer. Like, that's more like a wildlife count. Population density for wildlife. We're basically at 1,080 people for every square kilometer. When you, when you put this in perspective, that's like cramming all the people of Canada's major cities in a country the size of the Bahamas or Lebanon. And I looked, looked it up. These are the only two countries I can find that are 14,000 square kilometers. Isn't that, that, that is insane. Like I, I just, you know, I, I've never looked into it that deep and I just gathered all the stats. I did some math on it and matched up the population density with the figures that I see in Stats Canada and it works out. So no wonder our real estate keeps climbing year after year after year. Um, anyways, more on the population stats. Basically, you don't have to be a genius to predict ongoing booming real estate activity for Greater Toronto and Greater Vancouver, like especially those two regions for sure. And less booming, but still strong for Calgary, Montreal, Edmonton and other large Canadian cities um, as the lag from 2020 and 2021, you know, the halt of immigration, it'll it'll come raging back in the coming years. And like I mentioned, it, it's, it's happening right now. I think we're going to get in making up for lost time mode as far as population growth goes. And uh, as far as inter-provincial migration goes, um, BC, British Columbia, took the top prize this year as the province that received the most migrants from other provinces. And BC received just over 34,000 migrants, 34,000 people, the highest on record for British Columbia since 1993. Meanwhile, the biggest losers were Ontario, with a loss of 17,000, Alberta, down by 12,000, and Manitoba and Saskatchewan, with about 9,000 people each, left their province, moved out of there, and, and moved westward. So, when you factor in population density, livable area, provincial and in international migration flow, and just good old natural organic population growth, the greater Vancouver region will, by all accounts, in my opinion, remain a bustling real estate economy for at least a few years to come. At least a few years to come. Yeah, that's what I think. And for this reason, I am also bullish on Calgary for the spillover effect that I think is going to happen. But that's a, a topic for another ramble in the probably near future. Lastly, I'll touch a bit on interest rates. Not much to report here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, fixed mortgage rates shot up from the high ones to about the mid to high twos um, where they are right now. And variables are still super low. Um, available for as low as 1.15% and uh, even lower in some some cases some instances there's some promos out there but of course projected to increase halfway through the year 2022 but to what degree and pace remains to be seen uh, you know there's several theories out there some have prime rate increasing by as much as 
one and a half to two percent in the next 18 to 24 months. And some even think it may actually reverse course and maintain the value we are currently at. So it may peak up a bit, but some believe it may just come back down. So today we're currently at 2.45%. So keep tuning in as I will keep you up to date on the interest rate vibe. And uh, on that note, heads up, the next scheduled interest rate announcement date from the Bank of Canada is scheduled on December the 8th. It'll be the final one for 2021. And according to all accounts, they will likely leave the rate unchanged at 2.45%. So we'll keep our eyes out uh, on that. Still a couple of more genomics episodes prior to that, and uh, we'll be talking more on that. All right, let's begin and discuss this week's headliner. What is a subprime mortgage, and do they still exist in Canada? I hope you're getting some value out of today's talk. The whole idea is to dedicate an entire episode to one specific topic. So if it's something else you are looking to learn about, simply scroll through my past episodes and skim the titles for the particular topic you are looking for. And if you can't find what you're looking for, then send me a text and I'll be sure to talk about it in the following episode. Call or text me anytime at 604-800-9593 or find me at homefinancingsolutions.ca. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. And now, back to the episode. Many people consider subprime mortgages to be a thing of the past. A mortgage market segment that was more formally introduced during the explosive real estate market of the late 90s, early 2000s, began to take shape and materialize throughout the bustling markets across the U.S. Canadians heard about subprime mortgages and all the compelling stories of how unlikely applicants were able to qualify for a mortgage. And before you knew it, the wave reached Canadian borders and began its surge into the Canadian real estate market as well. Thankfully, unlike our American friends, Canada didn't succumb to a subprime mortgage-led economic tailspin. And you can watch the big short for a more detailed explanation on that. As it didn't allow the ninja style mortgage, ninja as in no income, no job, no asset, to incubate long enough to gather any real significant momentum. As Canadians have since become accustomed to, the government in power at the time stepped in with a protect us from ourselves type of legislation to upgrade the qualification criteria for subprime lending. Essentially, they eliminated the ninja style mortgages. This upgrade in qualification criteria proved to be enough to save the Canadian real estate market and financial system from damage, as was conversely not the case in the US. The Canadian subprime mortgage community survived and even so continued on a strong and healthy growth trajectory. The subprime mortgage space has since been through a rebranding of sort and has maintained its niche position in Canada's real estate and mortgage market. The industry is now referred to as alternative lending and continues to offer solutions to applicants who can't quite fit the rigid qualification criteria of AAA lending. Here's a summary outline of the key qualification criteria for alternative lending mortgages in Canada, formerly known as subprime mortgages. Minimum down payment of 20% is required. Debt servicing ratios are as much as 35% higher than AAA lenders. This of course means applicants can qualify for more mortgage. Income qualification criteria is far less demanding than AAA lender qualification guidelines. 
very flexible to applicants who have a weak or damaged credit history, very accommodating to newly established self-employed applicants, higher rates and shorter terms, known as Band-Aid or transitory mortgages, and also expect a fee of 1% to 2% on the full mortgage balance. The alternative lending mortgage arena does not necessarily lead to a slam-dunk mortgage approval, but rather a pathway to more lenient lenders who are more flexible and rational in their adjudication. That same flexibility and rationality is directly priced into the mortgage itself through a higher interest rate and associated fee. Therefore, it is important to approach this pathway with a realistic expectation. Expect a higher interest rate and prepare to potentially pay out of pocket for a lender and or a broker fee. The key to being at peace with a higher interest rate mortgage is to focus on the monthly payment and your ability to maintain it. For example, a $500,000 mortgage priced competitively from a AAA lender at 2.74% will equate to a monthly payment of $2,300. With an alternative lender, that same $500,000 mortgage will amount to a monthly payment of $2,400 with a two-year fixed rate of 3.14%. At the end of the day, for many that embark on the alternative lending pathway, a $100 per month differential is a small premium to pay in exchange for home ownership at a time where prices continue to remain elevated and show no real signs of significantly correcting. The true essence of alternative lending is to award mortgages to applicants that have proven their ability to make good on payments based on unconventional and common sense qualification criteria. Here are some examples of common sense qualification. Rather than requiring a recent pay stub and employment letter, an alternative lender may simply request three months worth of bank statements to verify income deposits into your bank account. In AAA lending, self-employed applicants require a minimum tenure of two years, but an alternative lender will consider newly established self-employed applicants with a history of only three months. Alternative lenders are also more forgiving to applicants who have recently come out of bankruptcies. AAA lenders will decline applicants associated with a prior bankruptcy for up to two years after the bankruptcy has been discharged, whereas an alternative lender will consider applicants one day after their bankruptcy or collection has been discharged. Feel free to contact me directly to see if alternative lending is the right fit for you. Call or text me anytime at 604-800-9593. That's all I got today. Uh, again, call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all, especially if you're in British Columbia or Alberta, as I am licensed to service these specific provinces. And especially if you are from Vancouver or Calgary, as I am very familiar with these markets. And of course, I welcome calls and emails from all over the world for those that are in the process of or have recently relocated or immigrated to Canada from elsewhere. Call or text me at 604-800-9593 or you can visit my website at homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning into Mortgageonomics Canada. Stay well, everyone. Talk again soon.